You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Welcome to uh, DLA Snapshot Weekend, the first ever, the inaugural. <laughs> um, that's cool. If you are, uh, let's see, if you're, if, if you're here checking this out and you're checking out DLA this weekend, will you just raise your hand? just want to see you. All right, smile really big. All right, cool. All right, let's give these guys a huge hand here. Phenomenal. My name is uh, David Perkins, and uh, I'm really, really glad that you're here. Uh, I'm going to be playing a, a, a new role in the D, in the in the DLA world. Uh, I just wanted to kind of give you guys kind of a, a brief story as we as we as we start off this morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, kind of the story that we feel like the Lord is telling, and and our role, and what we're what what kind of what's going on here. But before I do that, uh, one of the things I'm so excited about the uh, I'm going to just use the word merger of, of uh, 24-7 and DI is that we, there's like a staff that already loves each other and is really excited about working together. Now we have more of us working on this together and so it's going to be rock star. And so if you've been uh, Desperation staff or 24-7 staff, will you guys just come on up here real quickly? Come on up real quick. Let's give these guys a huge hand. And let's see. We're missing Kent and Cena and Justin. I'll talk about. Why don't you talk about Kent and Cena, and then, uh, and then, and then I'll talk about Justin. All right. So let's just start down here, Jody. Just tell them who you are, how long you've been here, what you do. I mean, you know that stuff real quick. All right. Just right up top. My name is Jody Sharice Hill, and um, okay, um, I am from Kansas. So is Alana and Jeremiah. Um, I came. Six years ago, I've been here a really long time, and um, I do a lot of things on the computer and with papers and logistical administrative things. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Michelle Vetti. Um, I'm the women's director right now of 24-7, and Jody and I work really closely together, so um, I do admin stuff as well, but what I love, love, love is spending time with girls and discipleship and prayer, and um, yeah, so that's what I love. I started, I did 24-7 my first year, was like six years ago, so it's been forever and ever, and um, I've worked here, and then I've also worked over with the Thorn doing productions and stuff like that, and so I just, this is my dream job, and I love it, and so I'm really excited to get to know you guys this, this week, weekend. My name is Joe, Joe Couch. Oh, yeah. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you. AKA Joe Mama. And uh, I currently serve as the men's director in 24-7, and I uh, get to do some of the worship and some of the just kind of fun hanging out with guys and discipleship and some crazy stuff. And, and so we have fun because we kind of balance each other out, and, and uh, we get logistics, and then we get crazy. And so it's kind of fun having everybody uh, here together. So the other two that we're missing right now are our are two, are Kent and Cena Hildebrand, and they are married, thus the Hildebrand, in case you didn't catch that. And, uh, and so they are our, our beautiful kind of mom and dad of 24-7. And so Kent is the director of admissions, and Cena is the director of home sponsorships. And so you'll work closely with them for sure uh, if you haven't already interacted with Kent and Cena. And Kent is definitely a, a beloved friend of many and discipler of many. So that's the other two. 
All right, I'm Dan. Uh, I've been uh, see, I've been here since 2001. I came on board with the uh, Desperation Conference and the Furnace, and uh, we started the Desperation Internship. And uh, really, my main function has been coordinating th uh, the Desperation Internship and the Furnace uh, for the last four four or five years, I guess. And uh, that's me. Now. Okay, the other, and the other one we don't have up here is Justin Steinhardt because he took off at 3 a.m. this morning with the Desperation Band to Washington. Um, but he uh, is also on this team and a, a phenomenal, funny guy with a master's degree and a big smile and a, and a great guy. So anyway, he's great. Um, but I want you guys to know the staff. Let's give them a huge hand, all right, real quick. And then... Specifically, Dan and Joe are going to be giving you a lot of uh, logistical things this weekend and, and even this afternoon you'll hear about your schedule. You're going to live a day of DLA. That could be a, a theme, live a day of DLA tomorrow. Um, uh, and you're going to do that tomorrow. But I just wanted to kind of paint some broad strokes this morning and tell you a little bit. I'm going to be really uh, general this morning in terms of some of the God elements that we feel like the Lord's called us to do and to be here um, uh, we're really, obviously, really enthusiastic about, uh, about these two worlds coming together. I believe it's going to be more fuel to accomplish the mandate that the Lord has placed on us. And so I want to take a few moments and tell you a little bit, uh, not just about kind of the... There's going to be so many personal elements that uh, are going to be specific to you this year in terms of growing uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and all those kinds of things. But in addition, we're about a purpose. We're about, we're about a mission. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning, and then, um, and then our staff will fill you in on some of the details. You're like, dude, nice hearing about how we're going to reach a generation, but you know, I want to know what, what, how am I going to eat? You will know those things later on. Uh, I'm not going to cover those things this morning, all right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for each, uh, each young man and young woman here. I thank you for the parents that are here. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, equip the team that you have called to be here for next year. God, we ask, Lord, the uh, Holy Spirit, that you would even spark in the heart, Lord God, of those that you're just, you're just wooing and you're calling to be here. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. I just want to tell you a brief story, uh, and, it, and it comes a little bit from, from my journey. Uh, from 1995 to 2000, I, I spent five years uh, traveling with a, a youth ministry, and our primary function was we were doing sacred assemblies all across the United States. And so we were calling young people to prayer and fasting and uh, we would do days of prayer and fasting, and we, our, our kind of our theme text was Joel 2, and it was blow the trumpet, let's gather together, let's fast and pray and ask the Lord to work. And, and so for a number of years, that was what I felt, I, that's what I thought I'd be doing for a long time. And um, in the year 2000, we had kind of a, an epic gathering um, in Washington, D.C. called The Call, and there was, there was a few hundred thousand young people there, and... Um, and uh, I, I had just finished a prayer where I was up there, you know, screaming, like you'll see at furnace prayer meetings, you'll see tonight, you'll see kids going, God, and that's kind of how we pray around here. And, and so you can pray any way you want, and we're trying not to be Pharisees, but we want to be passionate and corporately, but anyway, that's the way it works. And so I was praying like that, a typical on the stage, you know, God, do your thing. And, uh, and I came off the stage and this lady said to me, she came up to me and she said, isn't this exciting? Uh, you know, and this is just the beginning. And and in my heart, I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Uh, and it was, it was a hard moment for me because uh, I, that's what I had been, been a part of. That's what I'd been giving myself to in such a passionate way. 
And I felt like the Lord specifically said that my season of calling for the sacred assembly with that tribe was over. And that the Lord was saying, build the army in the local church. Build the army through the local church. And, um, and so I had just come on staff here at New Life Church and, and the Lord was, ha- had brought me here. And I felt like there was an ongoing story. And, and I didn't know exactly what that meant and what that looked like. But we began to gather uh, in 2001 with young people to pray. Uh, we did start with seven two-hour prayer meetings a week, knowing that, it was, that God wanted to move in a generation when we pray. And when we pray, God works. And one of my favorite quotes is Arthur Wallace, who, who said, if you want to know God's will for your life, find out what God's doing in your generation and jump in with both feet. And I felt like and sensed like there were some things, some core ideas that the Lord was saying that the Lord wanted to do here. And over the years, we've been staying with that. We've been staying the course with that. In 2001, that May of 2001 of that year, uh, I had the opportunity to go with um, a friend of mine named Joel Johnson to uh, Germany. And I was just, tra- I was basically traveling with him. It was basically his trip. There was uh, me and this other guy that he kind of initiated and so the three of us were, were, were traveling together and uh, we had the opportunity. I, I, I wish, I mean, the story is pretty phenomenal. We ended up, um, I, I, I'm, I'm reading on the airplane over about the story of the Moravian missions movement and, and just, you know, long flight to Berlin, you know. Uh, so I'm, I had the opportunity to read and, and so I was just reading about the story. And, and I just said this prayer on the airplane. I just said, God, if it's possible, I would love to go to Eastern Germany where the Moravian movement took place. And of course, I thought that was impossible because I knew our itinerary and our itinerary was Frankfurt, was Berlin. It was not to go, uh, to go east, to go head out where Hernhut was. And I got off the plane and, and uh, through a series of events, uh, in, in a pretty unbelievable way, it turns out our schedule gets changed and we end up in eastern Germany. And I'm just like, this is cool, God. So we get off and we're, get, we're, we're, we're on the train. We get to, eat, we get to the, the spot in the city. And, um, and, and when we get there, it's kind of the major city. And the church that we we're going to be ministering at was in the main city. And Herna is a little tiny town on the border of eastern Germany near, uh, near Czech Republic um, and Poland. And so I'm just thinking, um, God, is there any way? If, and I just said again, if there's any way I could get to this little town of Herna, it would just be awesome. So, so we get off the train, and the guy who's going to take care of us, he's a guy that attends the church, totally interesting church, like not what we have in America, and um, I won't explain why, but anyway, uh, we, we, we get uh, off the train, and we're walking to the church, and I said, hey man, you know, you know, hey, um, if there's, if there's a chance, and this is just a guy taking us to the church, and then we, we, we have a, like, a, like a host family that's going to take care of us. And I said, you know, if, 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 is, there, is there any way that um, I could? I would love to go to this little town in Herdenhut. I've been reading about the Moravian prayer movement. And um, this guy says to me, oh, yeah, sure. He goes, we have a guy in our church that, is, uh, that, that takes tour groups there sometimes. He loves to study that part of church history. And, and maybe we could have him take you. I said, that'd be awesome. You know, my eyes light up. It's like the third thing that I'm going, no way, you know. So we get there, we get to the church, and they come and they say, the host family that said they'd take care of you has backed out. We don't have a family for you. Hold tight. We're looking for a new family. 
So, you know, we're like, that's cool, you know. And then they say, hey, we got a new family for you. I'm like, sweet. Okay, here we go. And I said to the same contact, I said, hey, just a reminder, if, if we get a chance, I'd love to meet the guy that you're talking about that knows about the Moravian prayer movement that could take me there. And he goes, oh, you're staying at his house. And I'm like, da 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 I'm going, this is too cool. I am God's favorite. And so, uh, and so, and so anyway, uh, he ends up, uh, we end up spending a day there. We end up uh, at this, this, the, in this little town. And this Moravian prayer movement is famous in history for uh, a 100-year prayer meeting, round the clock, day and night, night and day. Uh, it was uh, a company, of, they'd have two men praying, then two women, then two men, then two women. Went round the clock, 24 hours a day. And it ended up going, it's gone down in history known as the 100-year prayer meeting because it lasted for 100 years. And the, the, the epic part is not just the, prayer, the passion for prayer and the commitment to prayer, but out of this little company, out of this little group of people grew the first Protestant missions movement in history. And they began to send people out two by two into the darkest regions of the world. One of the great epic stories is that they sent out 19-year-olds, Leonard Dober and David Nitschman, were 19-year-olds that sold their lives into slavery in order to reach unreached people groups because they were so passionate that the unreached would hear the good news of Jesus. And as 19-year-olds, they gave their lives. And so... And so I was awestruck 2001 with that story and what God was doing and, and so what, what he was doing then. And there was just a dramatic moment in my journey where he, the, this guy took us to the graveyard and we saw the, there, there's a prayer tower there and there's a very cool like uh, church where a lot of their meetings took place and we saw that. And, and then he says, do you want to see the cemetery? And I thought, you know, in America, we don't really do do you want to see cemeteries, you know, like that's not, but I was like, sure. So we go to the cemetery and when you go to the cemetery, they would have, they had um, the gravestones of people or, that had gone out and come back and they, they would bury them there. So it would say, it would say, you know, their name and it would say the place in the world where they spent much of their life ministering to the gospel. Then they'd come back to be buried at Hernhut. And I was just like, I was, I was just blown away by this. And then at the end, there's this grave of Zinzendorf. And uh, Zinzendorf is the guy who started it. Zinzendorf is a German nobleman who, uh, who actually took the wealth that he possessed as a nobleman and he funded this prayer movement. I mean, he, he helped these refugees pray. And this guy, Zinzendorf, he's phenomenal. Most, I mean, if you come here next year, you'll hear about him all the time. Uh, one, of his, one of my favorite quotes of his is he said, I have but one passion, it's Christ alone. And he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, average guy that fell in love with God. And, and so there's all these stories, all these people that have given their lives. And, and so this is now that I'm being a little vulnerable here and I shouldn't do this on the day that I'm meeting many of you, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Uh, because there's a powerful moment where... Um, I'm not weird. I know this is going to sound, this is going to scare some of you, but just everybody say, he's a little crazy. Just say that. He's a little crazy. All right. Because I'm, 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 I'm there in this graveyard and I'm seeing all these people that gave their lives. And I just had a, a prayer moment where I was realizing that the level of fervency, the level of dedication and devotion that had to exist in the heart of a community to give their lives in such a sacrificial way is so void 
in most of our local churches in America, in most of our youth groups in America. It is so easy for us to just try to get kids saved or get them to stop doing the bad things, let alone have this kind of zeal and passion for God um, living in the heart of a local church community. And so there's a powerful moment there where I, I literally, I'm going to make a confession, I laid on his grave. I know, that's crazy and that's weird. But I laid on his grave and actually almost fell asleep because I was pretty tired. Uh, but because the graves were, uh, like his grave was like above ground. It wasn't like uh, underground. So it was, and he was really short, which is, God loves short people. So, um, and, 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 just, and just started praying, just saying, God, let this live in our generation. Not necessarily the methods that were embraced in 1727. We need new methods for a new day and a new era. And I mean, 2008 is a different time than it was in the 1700s. But we need that level of fervency. We need that level of dedication. We need that kind of passion for God to burn bright in the heart of local churches, uh, within youth groups, within college groups, within young people in America. And so, and so a part of what we started here was just the only thing we needed to do was to take vows and to start praying and to start seeking God and and so we began doing these, uh, in 2001, started seven two-hour prayer meetings. It was what we had. It was just kind of the early days of just kind of beginning. And then in 2004, we switched from, uh, and we made seven two-hour prayer meetings, or we made one every day and started calling young people in the church, come pray with us, come seek God. And, 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 then, um, and then in our story, there was a, the development of, uh, of, of this, we, we, out of the prayer meeting, we said, okay, we need to gather everybody together and we need local churches. We want the fervency that's burning bright here. We want to help equip other local churches. And so we said, let's do, a, a, let's do an event and let's call it Desperation. And we thought we'd have, you know, two churches or three churches, maybe dreaming for five churches show up. And over the course of the years, that's grown to where we filled this auditorium and then the tent and then the, what used to be the old auditorium. And then in 2006, we started packing out this auditorium. So so we, we, we moved to uh, having two, one there and one in Birmingham, Alabama. This summer, we're going to do one here at this local church, one at a local church in, in Alabama, and then we're going to do one at a local church in Michigan. And, um, and God's been just calling specifically to raise up leaders that live with this kind of fervency uh, to reach a generation. And so we want to be the embodiment of it here. But in addition... We feel like one of the things that the Lord's called us to do as a tribe is to raise up leaders that personify it and live it. Okay, and here we go. To live with this kind of extravagance on university campuses and in local churches across the United States. So you're 20 years old, you're 18 years old, you're 19 years old. One of the things that we're passionate for you to experience, or you're 25, you know, some of you are like, dude, I'm 29, I'm just you know, my freshman year 11 times. But um, the thing that we're passionate about you living and, and you experiencing is taking this fervor and taking it out and, and, and gaining it, getting it. We developed a vow and it's very similar to what even the Moravians did. The Moravians possessed a vow um, and, and the vow is not a, a commitment uh, to a group. It's not a commitment to religion. It's a commitment to God. It's a vow to the Lord. And, uh, and so there is, we've had about 20, just over 20,000 young people take this vow. Um, and we want to see that number grow from 20 to 40, 50, 60, 100,000, as many as possible, 
take this vow. Um, and I'm going to tell you these four things because there's going to be a, a whole lot that we're going to do in terms of your season here. You're going you're gonna to work out with diligence. I know you know that. Well, you're going to have adventure like never before. There's going to be all kinds of things that you go through with the intention of helping you become a phenomenal leader. We want you to be a phenomenal leader, but we don't want you to be a phenomenal leader just for yourself. We're actually looking for the sake of a generation. We want you to be an excellent leader. Does that make sense? And so it's easy to put you through the gauntlet of having you, you know, go through a year of training and you walk out and go, okay, I'm a great leader for what? All right. My job is I want you to be able to answer for what? I want that answer to be inside of you. And here's the four things that we want uh, to be inside of you. Number one, desperate pursuit. We want you to have a relationship with God that is vital. It's real. It's significant. We want you to have encounters with God on your own. We want songs, and I don't mean musical songs, but songs, uh, anthems. We, Joe sang a song a minute ago, Let My Life Be a Love Song. We desire for you, when you to walk out of here for your relationship with God, for, you, for us to create an environment for you to spend time alone with God and for you to walk out of here with a zealous commitment to spend time alone with God every single day. I believe that the number I've seen, I mean, I, when, I, when I was in, 16, 17, 18 years old, we were seeing God do all kinds of things in my high school. There was phenomenal young leaders that were fasting and praying, contending for healing, ready to give their lives, to be missionaries, all kinds of things. And a decade later, they're nowhere close to that original desire. And I believe the number one equation is that if they had intimacy with God, if they spent time with God, those that are spent, spent time with God and developed a personal relationship and knew him a decade later are doing well. Those that just said, I'm going to do something awesome for God without the intimate relationship, most of them have settled for less. And so, man, we want you a decade from finishing DLA to be a phenomenal leader a decade later, not just a year later. Not just the memory of, oh yeah, I hiked Pike's Peak in 30 minutes, dude. No, just kidding. You know? Or whatever it is, all right? Okay, so number two uh, is uh, diligent prayer. One of the things that God's doing in the, uh, in the merging of 24-7 and DI is that we're starting to be a little, we feel like the Lord is calling us to be a little more specific in our strategy to launch prayer movements in local churches and on university campuses. We are, we're changing the dates a little bit. We're changing even the way that we ramp up because we want you to be here and ramp up to the fall so that when you leave here, you're like a bulldog. Is that right? A bulldog? Anyway, uh, rabid, uh, ferocious, strong, going into your local church or going into a university campus ready to lead in prayer. And so we're, our passion is for you to so, spend enough time in prayer meetings, corporate prayer, that you have a conviction that prayer matters, that by, by praying, you're changing the world, you're changing what God's doing in your generation, and that when that conviction goes deep, then you'll go ahead and lead where you're at. So we want to see prayer movements all over the place. We want to see prayer movements on, on campuses. We want to see prayer movements in local churches. Mega churches, small churches, uh, you know, little colleges, little Bible colleges that no one's ever heard of, all the way to, you know big universities that can't that football programs can't be beat like the university of oklahoma you know like just just kidding all right so wherever it might be all right sorry big sooner fan all right desperate pursuit diligent prayer number three consecrate your heart 
I believe that one of the things that the Lord is, is doing in us and doing today, that the Holy Spirit's doing, is making holiness look good again. I believe in our parents' generation, we saw a reaction to legalism. And so out of a reaction to legalism, there's a little bit of, a, a little bit of easy grace. And one of the things that God's doing is calling us to live consecrated, holy. And Psalm 110.3 says that in the beauty of holiness, your young men will come to you like the dew. And the idea there is, is that holiness will look good to us. Like we won't look at a holy life and be like, ew, don't want to do that. That's for fuddy-duddies. We'll look at holiness and see the brokenness of the, the divorce statistics, of where our generation's at, and we'll go, holiness looks good to us because Jesus looks good to us, and we know that that's where I want to live. So we're going to fight for righteousness, strong righteousness. For number four, the last one is focus life. Obviously, God has a calling on every single one of your lives. Some of you will be missionaries. Some of you need to be bankers or pastors or um, moms or, you know, uh, some of you need to be, let's see, some of you need to make a lot of money and donate it to DLA because you'll be a part of the founding class. Um, But God's called each of you to do different things. And we want you to just be focused on helping to accomplish that. How many people have we seen over the last you know, for me, the last, you know, 13, 14 years of doing this, of, of seeing young people that were ardent and fervent, and the reason why they didn't accomplish was because they just weren't focused. They weren't focused with their time. They weren't focused with their money. They couldn't, maybe they couldn't even, you know, articulate where they were going. And so we believe it's the Lord that reveals it to you. We're not going to try to funnel you into our thing. We want you to hear the Lord and do what God's called you to do, but we want to put you in an environment where you listen a lot. And then we want to help you make a plan to accomplish what God's called you to do. So that when you walk out of here, like in a practical way, you're someone that's four things. One, our hope is that a decade later, you're spending time alone with Jesus every day. Our hope is that a decade later, you're leading in prayer wherever you are. Right now, sorry, the prayer thing is kind of my favorite topic, so I always end up on bunny trails. But right now, I'm, it's like, it's so easy for the prayer movement to be for the, the you know, for the, for the, for the weirdos of the church, for there to be a little bit of emphasis on it. And I believe one of the things the Lord is highlighting, he says, he doesn't say my house will be a house of evangelism. My house will be, you know, he says my house will be a house of prayer. And I believe God wants to bring the water level of the intensity of prayer up in local churches. So our hope, our prayer is, is 10 years from now that you're leading in that capacity, living righteously, not using grace as an opportunity to say, hey, I'll do what I want you know, marinate on the earth, give 10%, keep my heart distant from God, but that you have life, a real, real life in God, and it looks like holiness. It looks like different than the world. It looks like a resident alien, all right? And then number four is we want you to be, and so, and so one of the things that we're gonna do around here is we're gonna fast. We're a fasting, and the, re, and the reason why we talk about fasting is because fasting is a physical demonstration of going without something that our bodies crave, you know, a la McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, uh, sorry, I have three kids under three. That's where I spend all my time because they're the two restaurants with Playlands. Um, our bodies crave it, but when we int- intentionally go without it, we're making a statement that says, God, I want you more than I want food. And so fasting will be a part of our regimen, all right? Um, and then we want all of you to be able to articulate your mission statement, what you want to do. And I think that's always changing. 
You know, I had, a, I had a pastor when I was 19 years old say, you need that. He helped me write it down. It took me about, you know, three weeks to format it and think through it. But at 19 years old, I wrote one out. And you know what? Accidentally, I'm still doing what I wrote at 19. That's still the passion of my heart. And it's kind of, I think, that just the Lord does want to give us direction. And when we write it down, sure, you know, you could be doing something for a decade and the Lord says, hey, let's erase that. I want you to go here. For sure, God may change things all the time. That's the nature of walking, you know, uh, walking with the Spirit. But what I found is that when you have a plan, you, you, you aim at something. And when you don't have a plan, you don't aim. You just live. You just exist. Oh, I'm going to go to college. Where are you going to go? I don't know. What, what degree? I don't know. I just, I just don't know. But if you say, well, I've, you know, we took the trip to Africa. I decided I want to be a medical missionary. Therefore, this degree program makes sense. Leading this prayer minute at this university with this local church nearby makes sense. This is where I'm going to, I believe, you know, according to the best that I can tell, this is where the Lord's called me to go. We want you to walk out of here with a written down mission statement of what God's called you to do. And our passion is to help you become the best leader that you can be, to do those things. And I believe if you'll do those things with fervency, you can't help. You can't help, but people follow you. You know? I mean, John Wesley said, set yourself on fire and the world will come and watch you burn. You know? I mean... Set yourself on with Pat, and then the idea was he was saying, set yourself on fire with enthusiasm for God, and it's infectious, and you may miss a couple things, you may, you know, date the wrong girl, you know, you might do a couple things wrong, but in the end, you become infectious, and people follow, people follow people that are going somewhere, they have a passion, they're able to articulate it, they know where they're going. We don't want to create some followers, we're here to create leaders. We want, we believe that the best way that we can spend our time, I would rather give myself to a hundred kids that are fervent and passionate and hungry and willing to be transformed than 5,000 that just date who they want, live in licentiousness and, you know, come here once a month or once a week and call Jesus their Lord, but have nothing inside their heart. We believe we'll be, if we can take a hundred of you and impact your life, uh, you'll, go, you'll go lead in other places and you'll go start college groups. You'll go start prayer movements on university campuses. You'll go do stuff and you'll go be missionaries in other countries. You'll go be, you'll go do, th- you'll go be influential. And that's our passion at DLA. That's what we're going to do. We want to raise up. I mean, our goal is to raise up young people that then spread all over leaders. So that's kind of big picture. Well, we'll what are some of the specific things that you're going to do to help me become a leader? Man, I'm going to let some of the other guys talk about books that you're going to read and how you're going to have to run up Pikes Peak backwards, you know, holding water bottles and stuff like that, you know. Like, there's going to be all kinds of things where we're going to put you in situations where you're going to go. I never thought I could have accomplished it, but you're going to accomplish it. And, and there's, there's a feeling of success when you accomplish some of those things, you know. There's going to be teamwork dynamics where you're going to, where it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult, but you come out, you come out as a team, you come out more successful. There's going to be all those kinds of things, but, my, but our big passion, our big picture passion goes way past you. It's about what Jesus called all of us to do. And so um, that's what we're about. That's what this is about. And my prayer, my hope is the fervency that existed in that little tiny town of Hearn Hut that little tiny town that influenced the world. And I could tell Hernhut stories all day and I'm not going to just to make 
Joe happy because he's heard them 11 times. Or Dan probably has heard them 200,000 times. But, but they impacted the world with technology, with what we have today. How much more can we? John Wesley said, give me 100 men who love only God and hate only sin. I care not a straw, whether they, whether they be clergymen or whether they be laymen. Give me 100 of them and we'll change the world in one generation. And we take that kind of literally around here. That's a part of who we are. That's kind of a part of our core. All right? So I want to pray for you real quick. And then we're going to go uh, to class. You're going to go to a, 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 a classes will be one of the things that you do around here. You're going to go to a class with Glenn Packing. He's one of my best friends. He's phenomenal. You probably know him from the Desperation Band. Uh, he's, he's awesome, awesome, awesome. A phenomenal teacher. And we're going to go to room 107. And uh, as soon as I'm done praying for you, you're, you're, you're going to have 15 minutes um, of freedom. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then that class is going to start at 11. Okay? All right. So room 107 is you walk straight out here. You turn right at the men's restroom. And then you walk in there. No? Is it not 107? Oh, yeah. So here's what you're going to do. You're not going to 107. You can go all the way to the tent, which means you get to walk outside and see beautiful Colorado. All right? Uh, it's on the other end of the campus, and it's the building that looks like a mushroom. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and stand. Let me pray for you as you uh, are here. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this generation. And God, we don't claim or think that we're special, but we do want to be a part of what you're doing in this generation. We want to jump in with everything we have. If you're raising up a prayer movement, we want to be a part of it. If you're raising up disciples, we want to be a part of it. If you're raising up leaders that love you with all their heart, we want to be a part of it. And God, we do not want to be left out of radical Christianity in 2008, 2015, 2025. We want the fullness of what you'll do in our individual heart. We want the fullness of what you'll do in local churches across America. And we want the fullness of what you'll do on university campuses. We thank you. I thank you for each young leader that's here. I pray that you would give them wisdom and clarity as they pray about what they're to do next year. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do. We honor you and we love you. Everybody shout it, amen. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.